All right, everybody, welcome in to Sideline Spectator, episode 12. I'm your host, Jake Smith, along with my co-host, Sam Kell. Follow us on Twitter at SamWeezy2. Let me stop real quick. You guys need to follow Sam, and I'll tell you why. So far, Sam, you can talk about your bets later, but just in terms of picks. All right, listen to this, guys. Sam is 70 and 24. There's 94 games been played this season. He is 70 of the games have been correct. He's at a 75% clip so far. You know, you can follow me on Twitter if you want to. I'm I'm 57 and 37. I'm not doing too hot. I'm 65%, so I'm 10% less than Sam. But Sam's killing it. His bets are killing it. So make sure that you uh you follow him on Twitter. He tweets out his his bets and his picks every week, uh, just as I tweet out my my uh, my picks. Uh, follow our main account, side underscore spectator. Uh, do the you, you guys know the drill by now subscribe rate review all that junk uh all right sam opening opening takes what what do you got for your opening take this week is uh i hate the buffalo bills i got and i know you were there last night but so i had like a 17 parlay and a 14 parlay well everything's hit but the bills so if the bills win last night i win $600 and in two weekends I am plus $1,500 in two weekends. So, we, like I said, we're not really talking a whole lot about the Bills. Uh, I won't talk about a whole lot about the Bills because we'll talk about the Titans. But, uh, I mean, that they, the Bills score, or Titans score, and make it 31 to 27 and kick the ball back to Josh Allen and the, and the Bills. Josh Allen proceeds to try to throw a bomb and get sacked, throw, try to throw a bomb again and complete, try to throw a bomb again and complete. And they get the ball with nine minutes left, up four. So you think, like, run the ball. Don't, don't just go run, run, pass, but you can run the ball, throw the ball, and like I said, just eat some clock, let it go all the way down, whatever. Worst case scenario, take four minutes off the clock, punt back, or four minutes off the clock and kick a field goal. Or keep it a touchdown game or something, whatever. They go, they have less than a minute of a drive and punt it right back to the freaking red hot Ryan Tannehill. And then everybody knows what the rest happened. But yeah, I I was screaming at my TV, what is Brian Dabble and Josh Allen thinking? But uh, that's really, I'm still bitter about last night. Chargers, like I said, bad, bad weekend overall for me. Sport, all sports teams around, but uh, what do you got? So, Antonio Brown. Now, I saw this last week, and we, we just didn't have time to talk about it uh, in Friday's episode, but I'm going to pull this tweet up. This is from at Matt underscore NFL underscore. This dude is a genius because I didn't even think about this. This, this has to do with the whole John Gruden stuff. He says in his tweet, Antonio Brown. He has three main parts. Said Ben Roethlisberger was trash. Confirmed. Said Juju was nothing without him. Confirmed. And then his third point, called John Gruden a racist. Confirmed. And then he ends the tweet saying he was really ahead of his time. I thought that was hilarious. That is an all-time funny tweet. I mean, granted, uh, let me preface this. Antonio Brown, not the best person in the world. But in terms of the funny tweet, that is hilarious. 
Like, I mean, maybe Antonio Brown was just on another wavelength that, that we couldn't even <laughs> comprehend at the time. All right, Sam, news around the league. What do you got? So everybody knows Tyreek Hill. Uh, he so beat his kid, whatever, and before that, he, I think he beat his baby mama's head on a concrete wall. But freak athlete. Well, I was scrolling on Twitter earlier, and I see him post on social on Instagram. Looks like his Instagram story. He said, "He said our time together is almost done." And it's kind of cryptic. He's got this year and next year left on his deal. So I don't know when the Instagram story was. I just looked it up and uh, was just kind of researching it. So it's not on the story now. But we, I always said that when it came time to pay all these players, I thought he would be one of the first to go. Can you see them maybe getting rid of him down the road, or do you think he's so important to Patrick Mahomes' success? that That's exactly what I was about stupid. to say. Yeah, he is a Travis Kelsey more so. Travis Kelsey is like if Patrick Mahomes doesn't have Travis Kelsey or like not a top like top five tight end in the league, uh, Patrick Mahomes probably isn't like what he is right now. I think with Tyreek Hill, like they have so many speed guys on offense. Could you like, you know, get rid of him and, and maybe like get another speed guy at receiver? Uh, Patrick Mahomes would still have like relatively the same amount of success that he does right now, but he wouldn't have it as much because there's nobody faster or explosive in the league as Tyreek Hill. So, I mean, it's kind of kind of a catch-22 in my opinion. It's like, yeah, you can get rid of him to save some money, but then at the same time, Patrick Mahomes, he's still going to have success, but maybe not the same amount of success. So, kind of weigh your options if you're the Chiefs. Yeah, and the exact quote on the Snapchat story was, love it or hate it, your time with me is almost done. Little purple devil emoji smiling face. And then on his Instagram story was, this chapter is almost over with. It could very well be like a him getting sponsored by somebody and just, I mean, I don't know. I'm all for Chiefs. Uh, yeah, implosion. Yeah. So Tyreek Hill, I just pulled up his contract. Tyreek Hill is signed through the, signed through next season. In 2023, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. At in 2023, he'll be 29 years old. So next year is the last year of his deal. May maybe maybe he maybe he understands. And his agent let let me say this: his agent Drew Rosenhaus, best agent in the in the league, maybe in all of sports beside behind uh, Scott Boris for Major League Baseball. Maybe Drew has like put in his put in his ear like, hey man, like yeah, the salary cap's going up, but you know, Mahomes is his contract's about to start setting in and and take off like a good chunk of the salary cap. You know, we just they just paid Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey. You know, you can go on down the line, and so maybe he's like, "Hey, trust me, you've already got a Super Bowl ring. Like, you're solidified as one of the best in the in the NFL in terms of receiver. We can go get you a bag that will secure your family and and your kids' kids for the rest of their lives in the open market." So I. Yeah, I mean, I, I could totally see it. Um, and I do yep. think, yes, Patrick Mahomes could take a, a little bit of a step back if he doesn't have Tyreek Hill. So, Sam, what I've got, the Philadelphia Eagles, mm -hmm. they have, as it sits right now, they have three of the top 11 picks in the draft. They have pick number three, number eight, and number 11. So, as of right now, the draft order one through 11 sits the Detroit Lions, Texans, Eagles at three, the Jags, Giants, 
Jets, and Sam, the Patriots are seventh right now, which is disgusting. I mean, yeah, like that's cool. We would have a top 10 draft pick, but that's just gross to see us in the top 10. And then Eagles again at eight, Washington football team at nine, Jets again at 10, and then Eagles again at 11. This is the end for Jalen Hurts. This is the end for Jalen Hurts. All right, they've got they've got 3, 8 and 11. More than likely with that number 3 pick, you're 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 just going to take the best available quarterback. Like that's just that's just what's going to happen. Uh college football as it sits right now, I don't I don't keep up a ton with college football, but what I've heard is that the quarterback landscape is not all that hot this season. Like, it's not a deep quarterback draft. So it's kind of like, I I feel like the Eagles would just either A, have to take the best available quarterback that's there at three, or I'd trade back. I'd I'd probably trade back with somebody that's, you know, maybe like a fringe playoff team that, you know, they're just missing a couple pieces. So, you know, that team's going to give up some draft capital to move up to three. Uh, So the second thing that I had is the Jaguars made their first field goal of the year in London against the Miami Dolphins. They, Sam, they are the first team ever to go the first five games without making a field goal. That's crazy, man. Ever, ever in, in the history of, of the NFL, the first team to go their first five whole games without making a field goal. Now they've made extra points. Don't get me wrong, but like in terms of field goal, where you get stopped on third down and you got to kick a field goal, they this is the first game that they have actually converted a field goal. Yeah, that's I mean, and a new kicker they just signed. He was doing like he was making videos or something like that not not too long ago and now he's their starting kicker. Josh Lambeau has struggled. Yeah, they just released him too. Yeah, no, future he's a charger here in a couple days, I hope. Let's get into Bills and Titans. Uh, I'll lead off with this. Uh Go for it. so I was there at the game last night. Uh shout out my buddy Dylan Doris. He had, you know, his his dad's got a little money, so he he has season tickets every year and uh you know, he asked me to go. So I went and I told him during the game, I was like, man, I'm not like, re- I wasn't really cheering for the Titans, but like I was trying my hardest to like high five people that were around me. And like, I had like no expression on my face. I was just kind of clapping and, and just, you know, fighting through the pain of somewhat cheering for the Titans. The first thing I want to bring up though, Nissan Stadium's pizza absolutely stinks. It's the worst <laughs> pizza that I've probably ever had. It tastes, Sam, it tastes like how I imagine like cardstock paper tastes with like Piggly Wiggly tomato sauce as as the you know as the as the sauce for for inside the pizza. Uh, we were club level. Like his dad has club level level seats. So I was like, yo, this pizza, this pizza is about to be bomb. Yep. And it was it was horrible. I had to like because I spent fifteen dollars on the stinking pizza, I was yeah. like, I have to heat eat every single bit of this. Right. And it got worse as I was eating it. <laughs> but in terms of the actual game, I've been to so many NFL games in my life. I think and I and I have seen the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Miko Harmon, all those guys. I've seen those guys play live when they've played at Gillette against the Pats. I think the Bills were the fastest team that that I've seen live. Stephon Diggs in person. 
is way like TV honestly does not. And I'd say the same thing for Tyreek Hill whenever I saw him in person. I think yeah. I said the same thing to my buddies. Stephon Diggs, TV does not do him justice on how fast and how quick that guy is. They could not guard him. He, one thing that I'll say about Josh Allen, kind of what I noticed last night is he, he kind of gets stuck on his first read and he might go to his second read. And then that's kind of it. Like then he'll tuck the ball and, and try to just pick up what he can. There were so many plays where like Stefan Diggs wasn't the primary read and he was on the opposite side of the field. And like, he just had free release pretty much all night long. And he could have, he could have finished the game with like 12, 13 catches for a buck 50. Uh, if like, if he wanted, if Josh Allen, you know, would have given him the ball more. Um, Josh Allen was even better in person as well than what TV does like does justice for him. His ball, even on TV, his ball looks like he's throwing a rocket. Yeah. Oh my goodness. In person, it's like I have no idea how these guys catch these balls. Like, dude, oh. when he throws the ball, Cole Beasley had a great game last night. Yeah. When he throws the ball to Cole Beasley, like what I noticed in person, it like it looks like it's because Cole Beasley's, you know, he's a small little white slot. He's receiver. like a, he's like us. It looks like the ball should like go through his chest. Like it looks like it should knock him back like five yards. It, yeah. It's just nuts, man. Josh Allen is so much better in person than he is on TV. And that's saying something because he's incredible on TV as well. One last thing that I want to bring up about the about the Titans game, which is the main talking point besides Derrick Henry going bonkers. The fourth down decision, and I'm sure you want to talk about this as well. The fourth down decision to to win or lose the game for the Bills. Uh, it was the right call in my Agreed. opinion to 100%. to go for. 100%. 100%. Now, do you just get the first down? So the Bills at the time, they had one timeout left with about 31 seconds or 28 seconds left. And so it's like, yeah, you can pick up the first down like get get like 6 or 8 inches and pick up the first down and then call a timeout and then be like, "All right, now we got, you know, two to three shots at the end zone before the time expires. But it's like, man, you're already down that close. Like this game, like is won or lost on this play. Basically. I don't like the idea of getting quote unquote, just enough. Right. Mm, agreed. agreed. I, I think they should have been a lot more aggressive rather than going for the quarterback sneak. And actually it was on our end zone uh, that we were sitting at. Josh Allen had attempted a QB sneak before at, at that goal line earlier in it, the game in the first work. time. I think it was in the second second quarter. Uh, it did not work. They, they stopped him. And so it's like, why why try that again? But uh, shout out my buddy uh, Cole Welch that, that sent me this. <laughs> Nerdgen Stats tweeted, and that I, I used that last week, and I can't take credit for it. Uh, it, it was my, my buddy Cole, the one that sent me this tweet. It He's the one that came up with nerd gen stats, so I I can't really I can't really take credit for it. So there you go, Cole. Uh, so nerd gen stats tweeted. Just li listen to how nerdy this is. <laughs> the Bills' decision to go for it on fourth and inches from the Titans' three, trailing 34-31, was unequivocally the optimal call according to nerd gen stats decision guide. So the conversion probability was 75% win probability if they if they do go for it was 63% 42% win probability 
if they kick a field goal right there and send it to overtime. Recommendation, go for it by 21.3%. These are the nerdiest guys to ever live. I I don't, like, I get it. I, I get the premise. Like, maybe just tweet out, the Bills, if they picked up that fourth down, had, you know, a 63% chance to win the game. and But they just preface so much more on it. And 42% if you kick the field goal, I feel like the game's going into overtime if they tie it up. Shouldn't that be like 50%? Because it's based a, uh, a coin toss thing, I feel like. Uh, um <sighs> Damn. It's so it's just Sam. It's just so nerdy. Like these nerds are are hilarious. Now the Bills made like like we just said. The Bills made the right decision to go for it, but oh, uh, these nerds are they're too much. Yeah, and in, in, in regards to that, like I said, love the call to go for it. Think it's a hundred percent the right call. Hate the play call. Absolutely hate the play call. And honestly, I wasn't even thinking about what you said. Why not just go ahead and try to score? Why, why why try to get six inches when you're three yards away? I mean, what's I mean, why not just try and get all you can? Period. Uh, I mean, I would love to see if I'm a Bills fan, you put give Josh Allen a, a run pass option. Like I said, the uh, Cole Beasley is wide open on that third third down play also in the back of the end zone. But like I said, I don't I don't I don't hate Josh Allen for going for it. He's a big body. Probably don't leave my feet there. I try to put my head down and just get get that extra yard but anyways it's not i'm not blaming josh allen for that I'm not blaming josh allen for slipping i think you probably the play call right there is not to go at jeffrey simmons for sure and give josh allen and stefan diggs and dawson knox a chance to win you a football game uh well yeah like i love the call i think if i if you're i love that for my coach uh just didn't work out but uh all right sam go ahead chargers ravens I mean, I really honestly don't have a whole lot. I'm bad, bad game. I mean, what? I mean, Aaron Rodgers had his bad game the first game of the season. And now he's done with it. We, we, I, my wife said it best. Y'all were kind of due one, and we we were. I mean, Herbert's been unbelievable. Game one, Cowboys. He had a bit of an off game, but nothing like yesterday. Credit to the Ravens defense. They did a heck of a job disguising getting Herbert off his mark, confusing him. He, uh, like I said, Herbert had some drops on the day as well. So it's not like it's his worst game ever. Okay. Cause last year's y'all's game was pretty bad. Everybody was talking about what loss was worse. This one or the Patriots game. And it had a Patriots 45, nothing feel to it last year of like last year. But I don't know. It's just, uh, like I said, it wasn't on TV and I was watching red zone. So I didn't really watch it all. And I'm kind of glad at this point, but uh, Lombardi, Lombardi's got to do better. Uh, the play calling, from what I did see, wasn't great. Uh, it was just kind of run, run, pass, conservative. Off of defense, like, I just got shredded by Carson Wentz. And so I, th- I thought we'd be a little bit more aggressive, man to man corners. And maybe that's the formula for beating us. We don't really have a lot of burners. You play good man-to-man defense and get pressure. I mean, that might be the that may be the key to beating the Chargers this year. Uh, Staley got out coached too. I mean, rookie head coach, don't fault him, but he got out coached. The game plan wasn't good in all phases of the game. Uh, just, it just, like I said, it's a bad day. You, you have it, learn from it and flush it. I'm not too worried going forward. We got the fourth easiest schedule. 
the rest of the season. If you told me starting the season I'll be four and two going into the bye week with wins over uh, the Chiefs, we beat the Raiders. Who do we beat last week? And the and the Browns splitting with the Browns and Ravens. I'm I'm gonna take that. I'm just I'm just I'm going to. Both of those are playoff teams if the Browns figure it out. If we didn't kill the Browns last week, but uh, in terms of anything else, like fourth easiest schedule going forward. But like, kind of like I told you and uh, you the other day, uh, if we don't get some help or change some things, we're a first-round exit running the ball because teams are going to just run it down our throat every single game, and it's just going to be miserable to watch. And when they do pass it, the linebackers will be sucked so far in that they're going to throw it over our head. And Lamar didn't have a good game. Lamar played terrible, honestly. He did not play good at all, and but he didn't he didn't have to play good. I mean, he could play bad and win. It's just that how... pick that he threw over the middle was that that was bad. Right after that Justin Herbert, really yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. they threw back to back interceptions. Mm-hmm. But like I said, the last thing I got, like I said, I didn't have much. Uh, we've got to sign a defensive tackle. I think is it Hicks, the the, the defensive Hicks, tackle, yeah. Hakeem Hicks. Gotta go grab him. Tom Telesco hates making moves. He's done like he says, done two since he's been the GM that I sent you the other day. Uh, you gotta get this tackle. I would love a speed receiver, but we're we're so good in that room. I can't see them doing that. But we need that's what we need to. And then uh, finally, kicker. I get Staley there. The the experiment has to end. Josh Lambeau has been one of the most accurate kickers from 2017 to 2020. Like I said, he just got cut by the Jags. Anything's better than what we got now. We should not be fearing or wanting to go for two every time like that shouldn't be happening and that's that's where we're at right now so it's just i hope staley doesn't let his stubbornness or whatever the organization's stubbornness get in the way of moving on but um yeah we got some got some things to clean up but like i said bye week and then revenge on bella fraud do you uh do you bury the football if you're staley for this game yeah, you you pop it and bury and bury or throw it in the ocean before you leave. You do something with it. You totally like you learn from it. And uh, like I said, I, Staley said today in his interview, he said, "We're not even gonna go to the Patriots yet. We're gonna spend the next three days evaluating our roster and our guys." And I I, I do I love that because I think that's we got to look. You a can bit tell in. he wants to make a move from that comment. What I hear is like you know if, yeah. you know we got to evaluate our guy like. He wants to make a move, but yep. you know your GM obviously has not had trigger. a good good history with making moves at the deadline. The only thing I'll say about the the Chargers game, say, dude, I totally agree with you. Keenan Allen checks out. He's hundred percent. He's checked out right now. He is. Uh, even the targets that he got, I, I thought he got a decent amount of targets. I'd have to go back and look at the numbers, but I mean, he got at least like seven targets probably. And what he finished with like four catches for 25 yards or something like that. Uh, he, when he wasn't getting targeted, I kind of watched him because Mike Evans, you know, me, I love Tom Brady. Uh, so I, I watch every single Bucks game as well as the Pats. And I, I see the same thing from Mike Evans, dude. It, Mike Evans, he, he checks out uh, of games. If, if he's not getting the ball or if the ball isn't placed exactly where he wants it, he always makes a face or, or a gesture or something like that. And I noticed the exact same thing from Keenan Allen on Sunday. I, I watched him very closely. 
when the ball wasn't even when he wasn't even like designed in the play like he wasn't running routes very hard and like I don't know man it's it's been frustrating all year and I Keenan is a guy he you get him going he he's he's gonna go but you kind of don't get him involved early it's almost like he doesn't necessarily pout like I've seen this year, but he he just seems he seemed checked out all year. Like even the Cowboys game, he had 100 yards, but it just was like he's like not trying. He drops like crazy, and I just can't see anything other than him checking out because he's not the number one guy. He's not getting as much love. He's still on pace. There's four receivers in the NFL that are on pace to break Michael Thomas's record, and he's one of them. I, I, I hate his attitude and what he's got going on right now, and I hope he comes back from the bye week with his head on straight. I really do. All right, so Patriots and Cowboys. So I, I just asked you if you want Staley to bury the football. So this is what I propose to the New England Patriots. I think the players should bury the football. I think, you know, usually it's the coach. You know, you get off the bus, and, you know, the coach, like, hey, let's all go out on the field, see this football all right, this game's behind us. We're not even going to worry about it. Mm-hmm. I think the players should do this. I think the players should call Bill Belichick, Josh McDaniels, and the co- the entire coaching staff and take the football and bury it. I think the players need to do it because that was the worst coaching job, top, top three worst coaching job that I've seen from Bill Belichick in, in the 21 years that he's been the, the coach of the New England Patriots. Let me let me run through this really quick, and then we'll talk about it. So every everybody just follow along right here, okay? First half, you get the goal line stand, right? The Dak Prescott tried to, tried to reach over the end zone. Jawan Bentley with the play of the night knocks the ball out of his hands. It goes into the end zone, which is a touchback, which is one of the dumbest rules in the NFL. But touchback, so it's Patriots ball. Let me tell you what happened prior to that, Sam. So at 2 minutes and 18 seconds, the Cowboys run the ball, or sorry, they throw a four-yard out to Ezekiel Elliott and get stopped. We call a timeout. It's the second timeout that we've used in the game, okay? So at 2 minutes and 18 seconds, they run a play. Boom, 2-minute warning. So the clock is stopped twice. And then they run another play, and we use our final timeout, okay? So Bill Belichick, in his in his mind, it's like, all right, let's call these timeouts. Let's get Mac the ball back. We need to score before halftime. We need to double down. The Patriots were famous for that during the Tom Brady era where – you would get the ball back at the end of the half, and then to start the half, you get the ball back again, so you'd you know get that little double score. And mm-hmm. so touchback on the fumble happens after their third and final timeout. We get the ball at the 20-yard line. We go out there, call a run for Damian Harris for one yard, and then Mac Jones kneels. Dallas, <laughs> Mike McCarthy is a moron. Dallas calls their third timeout when at that point it's third down with it was 12 seconds left they call their third timeout knowing that the patriots can still nail the ball for one more play like the timeout was completely unnecessary that's just mike mccarthy like yeah overthinking or like trying to use his brain so Dallas calls a third timeout for no reason on third down mac kneels the ball and it's halftime all right, second half. The second series of the second half. We have a third and one on Dallas's 49-yard line. We bring Brandon Bolden in. 
The goat. We have Ramondre Stevenson, who earlier in the game scored a touchdown. He he also scored another touchdown later in the game. And we have Damian Harris. Why in the world are you bringing our one of our core special teams players in on a crucial third and one at Dallas's forty nine yard line? That play went for a negative one yard. And then you punt at Dallas's 49-yard line. Like, you're in plus territory right there. Put Damian Harris or put Stevenson back in the game and just pick up a yard. I mean, oh, that decision to punt right there drove me nuts. So that was two, like, coward things that Bill has, has done in this game. Let me roll through the rest of it. The third series, the very next series, fourth and four at the 46, and we punt it away. Yeah. Then the the then we score a touchdown the fifth series we throw the pick six all right to trevon Diggs. whatever matt Co- comes out there in the sixth series first play right after that <laughs> he throws that bomb to kendrick born yeah and it was on Diggs. he went right at Diggs again that that was such like a ballsy move that safety for dallas that took that horrible angle and misjudged that he should be cut. I don't know who it was. That was horrendous. Mm -hmm. All right. So that was the sixth series. So we shuffle forward to overtime. We win the toss. We elected to receive, which is what most NFL teams would do. Couple plays hat. We pick up one first down next, next drive or, uh, you know, next set of downs happens. We get into a fourth and three at our, at our 46 yard line. And we punt. Sam, we stopped Dallas a total of three times in this game. That was it. What? And that's not all touchdowns. That's, you know, obviously, you know, if you want to call a stop and a field goal a stop, you can. But I'm just talking about in terms of scoring in general. Fourth and three at the 46 in overtime. And we punt the ball to Dak Prescott that's been spraying the ball all over the stinking field. Threw for 400 yards in that game. 450. What makes Bill Belichick think that we could have stopped the Dallas Cowboys offense? And so I, fourth and three, we we punted away in overtime. Give give Dak the ball back, and you know Dallas goes down there. Seven plays, we call cover zero on the last play on the touchdown play. Yep. We call cover zero. What like Bill Steve Belichick, Gerard Mayo? It was Steve Belichick that called it, by the way. What are we doing? Calling cover zero when you know you have to protect the ends? Like, oh, what are we doing? Uh, what are your thoughts? The punts in regulation. I, I feel your pain. Y'all punt it on the 49. Y'all punt it on the... Y'all punt it close to midfield almost every time, correct? Yes. Uh, like I said, I understand the frustration about that. Uh, like I said, I don't remember all the distances and yardages and stuff like that, but yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, the punt in reg in overtime, it's tough. Staley would probably go for it, but I understand that punt more than any of the other ones. Why? Be- why would, why, why? Please because tell me on this. Because I'm not convinced that first of all, and I'm not saying this because of me, I'm saying I'm, I'm just speaking from Belichick's point of view. They don't, I don't think he trusts Mac hundred percent yet. And he's thinking that Dak's probably due for a turnover, possibly. I don't know. But, I mean, you don't get that. The game's over, pretty much. They're going to run it with Zeke three or four times or dump it down to a tight end, and they're going to get in full range, and they're going to kick it, and you're done. So I think, like I said, I understand the overtime one more than any of the other ones. Uh, and I, 
pro Bill, people will probably say, well, he put us in a position to win the game. It just didn't work out for us. And they have sort of a point, but you can't play scared. And like I said, this is one of my points to the Patriots. It's time to unleash Mac and let Mac cook and figure out if he's good or if he's not. Because if you're going to be losing games regardless, you need to figure out if he's the guy. And if he's not, move. you can move on. Uh, like I said, you're not, they're not going to move off of him off one year anyways. But, I mean, especially this quarterback class. But, yeah, I mean, they, I think they're in, they're, hurt, they're hurting Mac more than they're helping him. I mean, like I said, I don't think he's perfect. But, like I said, how can you be when you don't get much much run to, to, to do what you did at Alabama? Like, it They've got to – he's improving every week also. He's getting better. Go right back at Diggs shows he has a certain level of confidence. My three points out of the whole series, uh, all the decisions, I, I do – Sam, I do disagree with you. Uh, over time, you have to go for that. You just have to. You can't, you know, punt the ball away thinking that you're going to stop Dallas when you haven't all night. I, that, yeah. that was one of the worst decisions that, that Bill Belichick's made. So before, okay, Ernie Adams, I, I'm not sure if you know who, who it is. Non-Patriot fans definitely won't know who Ernie Adams is. Ernie Adams is the man that was Bill Belichick's right-hand man, okay? This is his he, – he retired after last season, okay? And Ernie Adams is responsible for – diagramming other teams' plays, bringing it to the coaching staff before practice so they can go over, all right, here's, here's what we expect. Ernie Adams is the reason why Malcolm Butler made the interception against the Seahawks. Uh, and, and the Patriots, everybody can, can go look at this, do your job on YouTube, and in that, Ernie Adams is highlighted very, very much. He saw that the Seahawks had run this similar play in short yardage and in goal line situations. It was one of their go-to plays. Well, Ernie Adams sees that on film for the Super Bowl and puts it on, on note cards, and they practiced it for two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl. And Malcolm Butler, that's the reason why he was able to make that make that play. It wasn't because of Bill Belichick or anything that he did. But Ernie Adams was always upstairs on game day. He was always the guy that would tell Bill, hey, Bill, uh, if if this happens, we probably want to take a timeout right here. Hey, Bill, if this happens, uh, we probably want to punt in this situation. Uh, you know, hey, Bill, they're sending this personnel grouping in, so we need to match it with this, yada, yada, yada. He was Bill's ear. He is no longer there. He is no longer there. He's like 70 years old. He's an old dude. Yeah. He doesn't have Ernie Adams there anymore. And I think that all those decisions to punt and then to bring Brandon Bolden in on one of those, <laughs> I think all of those, Ernie is telling Bill, hey, Bill, we probably need to go for it right here. We, you know, we, we probably need to, you know, we haven't stopped, stopped Dak all night. Probably need to go for it. Yeah. I think not having Ernie Adams is is a tribute to Bill losing his fastball, and I have no problem saying that. Bill is losing his fastball. He's making decisions la going back to last year and this year that he has never made before. In the entire like Brady-Belichick era, he has made numerous decisions during game time and on the roster that he would have never done before. And yeah, uh, way too conservative to to wrap it all up. That That's yep. the main point. Uh, I'd here. agree with that. And like, I mean, yeah. like the... The fact that Bill, you're totally right, Sam. The fact that Bill has, like, 
it looks like he has no faith in Mac Jones. Yeah. And it and it's crazy. Like Mac so far has been is he the most talented? It's like the whole Tom Brady thing. Is Tom Brady the most talented quarterback? No, so he's not mm. the GOAT. It's like, you idiot, that has nothing to do with playing quarterback. Mac is not the most talented out of these rookie uh rookie quarterbacks. Out of all five rookie quarterbacks that were taken in the first the round, talented. he's the least. He's the least talented. hundred yeah. percent. But you know what he is? He's smart, he's got balls. And he's accurate. That's the thing that made Tom Brady so good were those three traits. You saw that with Tom. Let Mac let, let him find out. You know, if he fails, right? If Mac fails and yep. doesn't pick it up or whatever, they call whatever play and he doesn't pick it up. It's like, okay, this is a learning situation. It's like, hey, all right, next time we need to do this on fourth down instead. It's like you have no idea what Mac truly is right now. Because yep. you're you're putting the training wheels on him and you're leaving the training wheels on. It's oh man, you're coddling him way too much. Yes. Um. All right. That goodness gracious. That's enough. Uh. After we play the Jets this week, this is a get right game. All right, Sam. Ballers and bombs. What you got on your ballers? Uh, ballers. We just hit on it. Dak Prescott, four hundred fifty yards. I mean, he just, like I said, you stopped him three times the whole game. Uh, he's playing at a MVP level. I hate to give Cowboys credit for anything, but Dak is absolutely balling. He's comeback player of the year easily. We all knew that was coming anyways, but second baller, Derek King Henry. Uh, like I said, without him, the Titans are probably 1-5, definitely 1-5, 3-3 at best at best uh without him they just Tannehill's gonna struggle aj brown and julio are gonna struggle the defense is gonna struggle he's been so much better than i ever thought he'd be um but derrick henry is definitely the baller and the third baller trayvon i'm sorry to pick two cowboys against you but trayvon Diggs, like seven interceptions in six weeks he's officially in the mvp conversation maybe not top five but he's he's there because he's affected so many of these ball games. Um, that touchdown was huge. And I know he gets beat the next play. And I'm under the impression. So you remember the Jets had Cromartie and Revis. Cromartie is a big longtime Charger fan. He's not going to lock you down. But he's going to make he's gonna make some plays. He's going to get some picks. He's athletic. He's a freak. He's long. I, Diggs is more Cromartie than Revis. He's not. I don't think Diggs is locked down. No, he's not. And he's he's gonna be a guy. He's gonna get you some turnovers though. He's gonna he's gonna be a, he's gonna be around the ball. He's gonna get you. He's not locked down. And that's not a knock on Diggs. He's got seven picks in six games. He's defensive player of the year, front runner probably right now. Uh, he's he's not locked. He's he's more Cromartie than Revis, and I love Cromartie. Cromartie is one of my favorite Chargers ever. Uh, but that, I just thought I was going to throw that analogy at you and see what see what you thought about that. No, I totally agree with that. I mean, Diggs, yeah, I mean he he does give up some catches. I saw him, you know, the other night get, give up plenty of catches. But you're right. I mean, if the ball is tipped or or the ball is in his area, he's a ball hawk, man. It's like he's playing safety. Like he he just looks for the ball and the ball just seems to find him. Uh, I heard this on the radio actually yesterday. They were talking about uh, Diggs, and there were – I wish I had this in front of me. 
there's been five cornerbacks to be named defensive player of the year, I want to say. I can't remember all five. I know one was Deion Sanders, one was Woodson, and then Stephon Gilmore. Mm Mm-hmm which was in 2019. So, I mean, I don't know who else you give it to. I mean, I know we picked Darius Leonard, uh, both of us did for defensive player of the year, but right now, I don't know how you, as it sits right now, I don't know how you don't give it to Trevon Diggs. I like, Mm -hmm. I I don't, I don't know how you give it to anybody else. Yeah, you don't. Uh, So my ballers, I've got Jonathan Taylor, uh, 14 carries, 145 rushing yards. That is 10 point. Four yards per carry he had two touchdowns he had one catch for like nine yards nothing crazy but uh yeah four 145 yards on 14 carries uh that's a pretty good day at the office if you ask me uh and then yeah i'm gonna go with dallas player cd lamb nine catches 149 yards two touchdowns we could not stop him uh he the past couple weeks, because I have him in fantasy, I don't know because I don't watch Dallas as closely. He, kind, I feel like he kind of checks out too because, like, the past couple weeks he hasn't done much for me fantasy wise. Like he he scored pretty low digits, uh, so I don't know if he you know just gets bored during the game. I feel like with Dak Prescott being an elite receiver like CD Lamb, you should be putting up you know numbers. You know at least like yep. probably. 60 to 70 yards at least every single game. Uh, yeah, Derrick Henry uh, will be my third baller. Mm. 20, 20 rushes for 143 yards, three stinking touchdowns against arguably the best defense in the NFL. Uh, he had that that one like 80-yard uh, touchdown run in the first half. Dude, he – oh, he got through the hole so fast. I as soon every time it's hilarious actually every time that Derrick Henry gets past the line of scrimmage everybody in the stadium goes insane like they think that linebackers and safeties can't stop him De- safeties definitely can't stop him but like it was hilarious because last night every time he got past the line of scrimmage the stadium was erupting thinking that he was going to break one out and I get it I if Derrick Henry's on the pats I would do the exact same thing uh, I want to give an honorable mention to Cooper Cup. Nine catches, 130 yards, two touchdowns. I look get, I get it. It's against the Giants. They stink, but that's a pretty good stinking performance. Um, all right, who are your bums? My bums, SEC officiating. I mean, here we go, Tennessee, Tennessee fan, right here, folks. I mean, it's. It's been bad all year, not just the Tennessee game on Saturday night. Uh, I mean, it's that's the same crew that did the Mississippi State-Memphis game, that there was multiple, multiple things that went wrong in that game. And then, like I said, the the players getting hurt, that's another thing. We can talk about that later. But, I mean, the strip sack touchdown that got taken away, I'm not sure how you – take that back when you got two officials sprinting down next to the guy the uh, the play's obviously gone going like they didn't blow it dead and then they somehow bring it back saying his forward progress was stopped they were trying to do the statue of liberty play he was hiding it behind his back and he was going to take off once everybody 
So he didn't he didn't give himself up. He didn't do anything. He was he was fine. And like I said, I, I, that was a terrible call. And the spot at the end, I'm I don't think it was a first down. I think it was a lot closer than it was spotted. But the official 20 yards behind the play can't be the one to spot that ball. It just can't. It can't be. And that's who that's who eventually spots it. Uh, and the Tennessee fan, that was a decade plus of frustration, anger, heartbreak, and that on an emotional night against the guy that probably sent us into the downward spiral to begin with. And I think that was just a culmination of everybody exercising some demons or. I don't know. I mean, I've never the seen the fact that like somebody it. brought mustard to the game. And, and I the get the ball. golf balls. You, you, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, I get the golf ball. It's like, oh, you know, it's a late Saturday game, so it's like, ah, uh, hey, let's go hit the let's go hit the links before the game today. And it's like, ah, oh, I just forgot the golf ball in my pocket. Uh, that was funny. But the mustard thing. I mean, who thinks to bring in mustard? Like that's premeditated. That's like premeditated murder right there. Like that yeah. was premeditated. Unless they took it from like one of the concession stands and threw it. Then that's the only thing I can think of. But like I said, the fans, like I said, you don't love that. I don't think anybody at the end of the day is mad at anybody. Tennessee fans, nobody's mad at anybody but Joe Milton at the end of the day. And uh, he's not one of my bums of the week, but he's going to be an honorable mention. What a moron. You got, you got three seconds on the game clock. And miss me with the whole he's a student athlete, he's a kid, don't bash him. He's two years younger than me. Y'all can – Two or three years younger than me, y'all can get over it if anybody is offended. But you're playing D1 college football at the highest level possible. It doesn't get any better than the SEC. You got a guy who's been at Michigan, a top-tier program. Well, kind of. But you got three seconds on the game clock. It's the last play of the game. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. My wife knows you got to put the ball in the end zone. Anybody that even knows what football is knows you cannot run out of bounds willingly. He willingly ran out of bounds at the 10-yard line. You're at the 20, excuse me. So you got to put the ball in the end zone. If you throw a pick, so what? Uh, I think that was terrible. Officiating was terrible. That was even worse. I, was, I wasn't I was even embarrassed about the fans. I was embarrassed that we scholarship this guy to play football for us. We started this guy at the beginning of the season, and he – willingly runs out of bounds with no time left it just made me, i woke up sunday morning just pissed about that not even lost not even about lane kiffin just that my second bum would be the chargers coaching staff like i said love those guys they got out coached this week playing simple uh like i said bury it learn from it move on you got a bunch of you got a rookie head coach who's 39 years old it's gonna happen kind of concerned about him going against belichick in two weeks I mean, Chargers, they, they, they were bad, bad all around. And the third bum, I hit on this at the very beginning, Josh Allen in the fourth quarter. And I kind of blame Dabble, but it's really not – Dabble's not telling him to throw 50 yards downfield. But Josh Allen, the first play, he's looking 50 yards downfield. He gets sacked. They don't let the clock run all the way out. They snap it with like 20 seconds left. He goes deep again, incomplete. And then the th- third down, he goes deep again, like 40 yards downfield all, every time. Like I, it was Mahomes esque. That's some. It's playing hero ball, and it just, and that's why the Bills lost the game. The Bills didn't lose the game because they didn't get the fourth down. They lost the game on that drive, and I'll die on this hill. And Jas, Mike Jasper even said I, I was tweeting at him on Monday night. He was like, I agree with you 100%. And 
the Bills deserve to lose after that. I had money on them, but I was telling everybody. I was texting my buddy Castro. I was like, I got $600 coming to me if y'all win, but y'all, y'all just, I almost hope y'all lose right now because that's how stupid that was. I'm screaming at my TV. All right, so I've got Daniel Jones went 29 of 51, 242 yards, no touchdowns. He had three picks. He got sacked four times, and he fumbled the ball. Oh, man. Daniel, the Giants, they've got to do something different at quarterback. I, I get it. He's he's your guy probably for the rest of the season. I, I get that. Sammy D, two weeks in a row. Sam Darnold went 17 of 41, Sam. 17, if we go out there and play for the Panthers, if we throw the ball 41 times, I would think I could complete 20 passes. Just little swing passes to the, to the running back probably, maybe a little tight end screen or something. I could complete those passes. He yeah. is a professional football player and completed only 17 of 41 passes for one touchdown, one pick. He also got sacked four times, and he lost a fumble. Uh, Sam Darnold, yeah, trending downward without Christian McCaffrey. That that take is you know becoming more and more apparent as each week goes on. My last bomb is Tony Romo. I think Tony Romo either gets drunk or he gets high before he goes on national television. <laughs> I love Dude. Romo, man. I love he, him. Oh, I do too. I do too. His insights, which he hasn't been good on his insights since that uh, playoff game, the Pats versus the Chiefs, where he was like literally calling out, all right, Edelman's going to come in motion right here and you're going to hit Edelman. Uh, if the safety comes down, watch Gronk on the slant right here. Ever since that game, he's been horrible. And he gets a lot of Patriot games or he gets a lot of Tampa games. So I hear him pretty frequently. And when he's trying to do that whole prediction of the plays, he gets most of them right, don't get me wrong, but he's not nearly as good as what he was. But he what Sunday, oh, he was so bad, Sam. I, I seriously thought he was drunk. And Nance caught him like a few times. And Nance would like just – completely changed the conversation that they were having. I know like the typical fan probably doesn't listen like that closely to the commentators. Romo was drunk. He was high. He was something on Sunday and he just, man, he just hasn't been good. I like listening to him. Uh, Cause I do. I, I kind of think that he's funny. Uh, he was very, very, very biased towards the Cowboys, which as a, I get it that that's your, that's your team. But uh, listening to him, he was extremely biased uh, towards the Cowboys, and as a national, you know, color commentator, you gotta try your best to be as yeah. neutral as you possibly can. I, I gotta go on YouTube and look. Uh, I'm sure somebody has put together a uh, a montage of Tony Romo's sounds that he makes in the games. You know the. Oh yeah. I don't know, Jim. Uh, you know you, th- those those stupid noises that he makes. All yeah. oh, those are so irritating. But I, I do. I, I I say all this. I'm bashing, but I do like listening to Romo. Sam, I only have one of these. Talib Crabtree beef of the week. What do you got? I got two. So go first. That way, in case I, I don't want to take yours. I've got ja- Jackson Mahomes versus being Dude. a good person slash self awareness. How crazy is was that? Like, listen, everybody, everybody is has probably caught up by now. So Sunday was Sean Taylor's, you know, 
Jersey retirement that we think was, you know, impromptu. The family actually, uh, I saw that a Washington Beat reporter reported this because he interviewed the family on Sunday. And the family literally didn't know anything about the Jersey ceremony until Wednesday. The game was on Sunday. It's like, okay, this is definitely fishy. This brings back what I said last podcast episode about how I think that there's, you know, they're trying to distract from, you know, all these emails and stuff that are coming out. So they're like, ah, impromptu Sean Taylor jersey retirement. Uh, Super weird. But anyways, so Jackson Mahomes being a good person slash self-awareness. So Jackson Mahomes, for anybody that hasn't seen, which I'm sure you have if you're on Twitter, he did one of his stupid TikTok dances. He's the Sam, he's the worst dancer that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I'm horrible. I do the same dance move at every single wedding and I do it for like the two whole hours that the that the music is playing and that's pretty <laughs> much it. I think I'm a better dancer than Jackson Mahomes. And and we can get into Jackson Mahomes and and uh Brittany Mahomes, whatever her name is, and, and Patrick Mahomes' mom. Like they're they're the most annoying family in America. But Jackson Mahomes makes a TikTok on top of where they have spray painted Sean Taylor's number, the number twenty one. He does a TikTok the day of his jersey retirement for a dude that has been shot and killed. And like at your at his jersey retirement, you're gonna do a TikTok dance on his jersey that's spray painted on the field. Like, how unaware do you have to be? But let me read you his tweet, Sam. He said he has zero accountability. Okay, and he had, he's not self aware whatsoever. He said, "I want to sincerely apologize for accidentally being on the Sean Taylor number twenty one at FedEx Field." We were directed to stand in that area, and I meant absolutely no disrespect to him and his family. He says, in the first sentence, I want to sincerely apologize for accidentally being on Sean Taylor. You moron, how do you not... Why, why do you pick that part of the field, right? That, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Why do you pick that part to do a TikTok dance? And then he says... Oh, we were instructed. That's where we had to stand. That was like the roped off area. Okay. I saw an aerial picture of the overhead, like roped off area. Yeah. Sam, it was from the tunnel and the Sean Taylor, uh, where it was painted was up to, I want to say it was like the 25 or 30 yard line. He had from the tunnel that was roped off all the way up to the 25 or 30 yard line to do his TikTok dance. He specifically chose his jersey to do his stupid TikTok yeah. dance. He said in the second sentence, we were directed to stand in that area. I mean, absolutely no disrespect to him or, or his family. So the two things, you know, accidentally being on the Sean Taylor, this is where it was roped off. Uh, dude, you could have done it any other place. And two if if you meant no disrespect by it right you you obviously see that this is his this is his jersey like this is his retirement if you mean no disrespect by it why do a tiktok dance on it right if you're gonna do your stupid tiktok dance why don't you do it away from that if you mean no disrespect by it i mean just completely unaware and in his tweet zero accountability yep 
I agree. Uh, my beef of the week, Aaron Rodgers versus the sh- city of Chicago. How about that? Electric. Did that make you like Aaron Rodgers just a little bit more? Oh, dude, I was like, man, Aaron Rodgers might be in like my top five favorite quarterbacks of all time. <laughs> he said, I own you. I still own you. And he does own them. I picked the Packers purely because of that stat you gave. And like I said, of him and rookie quarterbacks, it just adds on top of that. But uh, that that's great. Everybody saw Aaron Rodgers went on Pat McAfee's show today saying, well, how soft are we as a society when fans can come into a stadium and say whatever they want to a player, but if I say something to th- them that's not even nearly as bad, then I'm disrespecting the organization and the city and blah, blah, blah. And he's a hundred percent right. Like the fans are going to talk shit and they're going to throw, they're going to cuss. They're going to say things about your family, whatever. It's going to happen. And if that's as as dirty as it gets, I say, if Aaron Rodgers saying, I own you, he's not lying. He, he, he does own them. They just hate to hear it. And honestly, I love it. That's awesome. Oh, it was hilarious. I, I just think that that also solidifies – and you know me, and I'm sure people realize this about me listening to this podcast. Like, I I kind of – I'm one of those people that likes to read between the lines. I I kind of take that. I, I get it. It's it's a division rival and, and all that, and, and he mm-hmm. does own them, like you said. Uh, his record against them is insane. Uh, but – I think it it kind of like doubles down on the fact that he's not going to be a Packer next season because it's like, hey, this is my last time. It's yeah, yeah, this is my last time at Soldier Field. I'm going to remind you who is like giving you this pain for the last 15 years. And I didn't even think about that. That's that's a good just saying goodbye to him pretty much because he probably won't play there again. If he does, then sucks for them. All right, Sam. Our power rankings, one through five, what do you got? Can't keep them out of the number one spot any longer. The Arizona Cardinals, they're just, if they're not the best team, which I don't think they are, they're they're playing the most consistent good ball right now. And for that, they deserve to be number one. Two, Tom Brady uh, just slept, walked through a win in Philly on Thursday night. Tampa Bay. I uh, just, they, they, they've kind of been stuck at three for a while now for me. And the four, a newcomer. And it makes I didn't want to do this. I could surprised they stay out of our top five as long as they did. Dallas Cowboys. They're they're playing too good of ball. Defense, they're scary. They're sneaky good on defense, like we said. Dak's MVP level. Uh, Diggs is tur- getting a turnover more over a turnover a game if you do the average, and uh, he's balling. And number five, I know they just lost Bills. Um, take my charger. Like I said, even with the loss, I think they're probably the most complete team in football. That doesn't make them the best, but I think that they're probably the most complete team in football. Cardinals at one. I'm going to go Bills two, uh, Bucks at three. So Bucks are staying in that third slot for me. Rams at four. Rams are staying in that, that slot. And then five, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys. It's, it's time to give them the recognition. I yep. I have plenty of uh, Cowboys fans uh, that that are friends with me that listen to this podcast. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give the Cowboys their credit. They're they're good. Dak's so stinking good. Ezekiel Elliott actually looks is he's starting to look like he knows how to play football again. Uh, you know, Amari Cooper plus C.D. Lamb plus 
what's his name? Cedric Wilson, uh, their third and, receiver. And, and then back. And then uh, Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin. Like, they've got so many weapons on offense. And like I said, Dak's playing at an MVP level. Their defense, like you said, Sam, like we said last week, they're they're a juggernaut. I mean, they are. They're, they're sneaky good defense. Fun fact real quick about Cedric Wilson. He was my all-star quarterback in the – in high school, yeah, he went to shout he out, sh- shout out Cedric Wilson. He 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 threw some balls to Sam uh, in in their high school, you know, all state, you know, little, little game. So so yeah, congrats, Sam. That, that's White big Station, time. Memphis uh, MVP. He's he's been number one. He's just been chilling number one. I there with them winning the numbers he's putting up. I can't put anybody else over him. Kyler Murray. Uh, at this point, if if things keep up, I don't see anybody else beating him. It just is what it is. Josh Allen, number two. Actually, I'm, I think I moved him up up one. But um, Josh Allen, number two. He's having a great year. I know they lost last night, but he's having a great year. He looks he looks really good. Uh, Tom, st- sticking steady at three. He's not doing anything. Like I said, he's we've the problem with Tom is kind of like LeBron James. We've become so accustomed. You can give him the MVP every year if you wanted to. Yes, and he's not going to. That, that's, he's going to stay in the top five probably all whole season for me. Because without him, the Bucks are eight and eight. Uh, four, we mentioned it. Dak Prescott, he's breaking in the top five. Uh, and five went back and forth on this. Uh, I hate to kill somebody over one game. I really wanted Diggs. I like. I really like liked Henry. Stafford was an option too, but and I don't think this is my bias talking at all. But Justin Herbert, I'm not gonna kill him for one game, a bad game. Uh, we didn't. Aaron Rodgers had a bad game, and look at him now. Tom Brady's had a bad game. They got blown out week one last year, and still won the Super Bowl. Uh, it happens. It happens. And like I said, he really he threw an interception that it really wasn't a terrible ball. I went back and watched it. It. It wasn't like a bad interception. It was an interception, so of course it's bad. But it wasn't like terrible. Like it, like you'd have to go watch it. But uh, Cook, Jerry Cook, very easily could have caught that or made a play to knock it down. I just, I don't know. I, I think with the schedule, upcoming schedule, and his numbers that he's put up through the first six games. I mean, you played a pretty good defense in the, well, we thought Washington week one that they're they're not good, but I mean the. They put up 47 on number three defensive football, Cleveland Browns. Uh, that's pretty good. And they got and they're healthy on the defensive side of the ball. So say whatever you want about the offensive side of the ball on, on defensive side, they're healthy, and that that's the real that's the real deal. Uh, so my MVP race, I'm sticking with Josh Allen at number one. If the Cardinals stay undefeated, you know, throughout, you know, if they if they finish like 14 and two, well, well, it would be 14 and three. And three you know, yeah. Uh, if they don't lose more than three games this season, uh, I, I think you you have to give the MVP to Kyler Murray. Like yeah. you just have to. Um, but Kyler is number two. Tom Brady, same thing with me. He's sticking into that third slot. Derrick Henry has moved up from five to four, and then to end out, uh, Dak mm-hmm. Prescott. Uh, you, you just the only thing if if Herbert has a bounce back week after the bye, you know. It's going to be tough trying to decide who I'm going to kick out of the top five to put Herbert back in. You got to give him his props. Coming off mm-hmm. of a major, major surgery and all those rumors about his his throwing shoulder 
and maybe not being able to to play, you know, the first six games of the season. Like they were talking that he was going to end up on the PU. Yeah, I I mean, well, they were talking about uh, in hard knocks that he might end up on the PUP list, and you know, they were putting him on a on a pitch count basically, and just all those factors like going into it. The fact that he's performing at this level with the injury, with the shoulder, with being on a pitch count all throughout training camp in the preseason. I mean, to be performing at this level with basically like half of an off season. All right, everybody, that, that'll do it for, for episode 12. Uh, we will see you guys on Friday.